Hello and welcome to another episode of Author Conversations presented by Arcadia Publishing and History Press. I'm Jonathan Foster. and Today I'm speaking with author Monica Tapper, who has written a culinary history of Alabama. One of the surest ways to connect with the past is to sample what is on its plate. And that's the goal with this gustatory journey through Alabama history. Sweet meats with the governor's lonely, oft-depressed wife in 1832 Greensboro. Shrimp and crab meat casserole at a long-departed preacher's house at the Gangs Ridge Dinner Club in Camden. Pimented cheese and tea with notes of cinnamon and citrus at the Bragg Mitchell Mansion in Mobile. Pound cake from Georgia Gilmore's Kitchen in Montgomery where workaday freedom fighters and luminaries of the civil rights movement sought sustenance. Author Monica Tapper serves up a stick-to-your-ribs trek through Alabama history, providing classic recipes modified for the modern kitchen along the way. Monica, thanks for being on. Hey, Johnny, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. So this is not a cookbook, per se. Oh, um, no, it's really not. Nope, not at all. It's, uh, it's a book that tells you how to eat your way through the history of Alabama in a way, really, which is great. Um, or how people ate their way through the history of Alabama, um, more likely. Um, where did you get this idea from? Um, well, I work at a historical mansion, and twice a year, for the past seven years, we have served tea and pimento cheese sandwiches and all kinds of other goodies to people who come. And I really, really enjoy seeing all the people sit in historical setting and eat. And I figured that if we could do this here, that we could do this throughout the state. And then I sort of got the idea that not only could you eat in a historical setting, but you could get familiar with people's lives from the past if you could eat something they ate and sort of, I don't know, taste the same thing that they tasted during the time. So I kind of like got the idea that you could do both things. Sadly, you can't do both at once, but that that's kind of where I got it. It took me a while to come up with this. Actually, this was a this was a maybe two years before I finally like hit it. That to be it makes perfect sense because that's the whole reason people you know if you go to a reenactment and you're at a historic plantation where maybe a revolutionary army had camped out at and you see people in uniform, it just makes it that much more hit home that that event happened at the site that I'm standing at. And, exactly. Yeah, now you're tasting history where that history happened. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's the way to connect to history, but through food, like using place and using food. And because pe- that's what people want to do. They they want to feel like they're connecting to history. And, you know, I'm still surprised you brought up pimento cheese. How many people in the country still don't understand what pimento cheese is? Pimento uh, cheese is pretty yeah. serious. I it mean, really we take is. that very seriously. <laughs> I mean, unless they're a golf fan at Augusta, you know, they know. But otherwise, you know, nationwide, a lot of people still don't appreciate the pimento cheese. This is very true. And also, I just want to make it very clear that it's not store-bought. It has to be handmade by, like, people who know what they're doing. And that person is definitely not me because I don't actually cook. But um, <laughs> Well, you have people... tried your hand at it. <laughs> but people who know what they're doing can make like one of the best things you'll ever taste if you can get it if you can get it done correctly by an old fashioned southern cook it's it's one of the best things you'll ever have 100% true so okay i want to go up north alabama for a second um for okay. people who aren't familiar 
where the state may think of Huntsville, and that's with good reason, um, or they may think of Muscle Shoals for a good reason, um, but the area is also beautiful on its own and has prehistoric history. Um, river pirate history, which I really didn't know a whole lot about, and thank you for that, um, and uh, war history, you know, during the Creek Indian War, which took place during the War of 1812. In other words, there's just a lot of history in the area. But back to that beauty part, um, that part of our country has always been one of my favorites there along the Tennessee River in North Alabama. Um, just an incredible part of the state. What do you think? I mean, it's I, I don't know if you ever spent a lot of time in North Alabama, but you have a lot of history that you write about in that part of the state. And go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I've, I've, sadly, I've only driven through it a lot. I mean, it's very pretty, but I mean, the, the area is very nice. But I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time there just talking to the people to get what I needed to for the book. Um, but I mean, but sadly, no, I haven't spent much time up there. So you did a culinary tour through there, and you also write about a lady named Anne Royal who has done oh, a culinary tour through there. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> She's hilarious. Yeah. And man, her when she's writing her diary about um, being with the colonel, uh, starting around page twenty six thereabouts in the book, right? And he has that guest over who she talks about not being dressed very well, but he's still invited to sit down for breakfast. That whole yeah. interchange is one of my favorite things in the book. Yeah, I it. love it because she's very she's very specific. She writes down everything that happens so you can actually be there at breakfast with the royal family and their guests and, and hear the whole conversation and hear every bit of food that was poured. And that's her. Like, I didn't do that. That's all her. So I had to actually trim it down a bit or would have gone on forever. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It was much longer, the original version. Yes. See, that's surprising because there's things such as, hey, have have some more steak. Here, here Here's some butter for you. Yeah, And they're going back her. and talking about politics and stuff. And, and he's also, here, drink some more coffee. You're not having, you're, uh -huh. the, you're not having enough coffee. Hey, who are you going to vote for? Okay. Okay, yeah, that's right. great. Hey, here, here's another piece of toast. Okay. Hey, wait, wait. Who are you going to vote for again? Why are you going to vote for uh -huh. him? It's insane. Right. It, it, it sounds almost like something from today. Um, I know, it really does. It, it's great. And then they talk <laughs> about uh, going to a barbecue. It was a political barbecue then, and I can guarantee right. you it was not on a grill because a grill is no. not. A, listen, everybody, I'm going to get right up on the microphone. A barbecue is not on a grill. You are <laughs> grilling out. <laughs> that is not a barbecue. Okay. That part of a rant. Southern over. boy and you coming out right there. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're going to a barbecue, a legit barbecue, uh, and this is going to be. But that's different, right? The, the political barbecue, because that's what are they going to do with this barbecue? Can you tell us a little they're bit gonna, about that? They're going to they're going to get very drunk at this barbecue. That's what they're going to do. This was a, a male event mostly, and they're going to eat a lot of meat, and they're going to be pretty wasted at the end of the day. And this was expected <laughs> and normal, and no one would have thought anything weird about it. So. And there's yeah. going to be a stump speech given, and they're basically, oh, I want to get you really yeah. drunk so you'll vote for me. Pretty much. Basically, it's like, I'm going to give you a lot of 
very good food, and I'm going to give you a lot of whiskey, and I'm going to expect your vote in return. And nobody would have thought this was odd at all. This would have been totally normal. Can you imagine that happening today? I, I mean, think people this is why people in arms. <laughs> well, this is why people aren't more involved in local politics. Right. If we would do this more, I mean, <laughs> you would have more people caring about who's on the city council. <laughs> now, well, I'm not endorsing I, this. I I'm not endorsing it. <laughs> I'm just I saying. I think minus the alcohol, it'd be great. You know what I mean? But I mean, mm. well, no, I mean, I think, I, no, trust me, I'm all in favor of a, a nice drink. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you got the town drunk, I the think barrels of whiskey. the up in arms. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the, the 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 anger that would happen after the entire town was drunk from this one political candidate coming to town? People would but, just be um, really honest. And you, I mean, we have an issue, I think, right now with people really saying how they feel about things. I mean, why not? I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, it'll be it would be interesting. I don't know. When there's yeah. an awkward converse, when there's an awkward setting around, I'm one of the people that lean into it. So you know, uh, yeah, especially at a restaurant. Because, you know, we have a nice soul, I'll just say this, we have a nice soul food place we like to go to here in town. And yeah. uh, the last couple of times we've went, there's been uh, some, what my wife calls awkward moments happening at tables nearby. Really? And she hates okay. the fact that I like to lean into it. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, 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 not lean I'm in. I'm like, on this one. <laughs> feed into it. But I'm like, if you're going to air that out in public, that's dinner and a show. You know what I mean? Oh, dear so, Lord. Okay. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to listen into this. So, you know, I'm all about, you know, ha rolling out some barrels of whiskey and let's hear a stump speech and see what you got going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think it was pure entertainment. I mean, honestly, they seem to have enjoyed themselves and have a good time. So, I mean. Yeah. Is it different? Yeah. It was it was just different. And hearing the, her whole diary, it really did put you there. And she seemed like quite a exactly. character I would like to meet. 100%. Yes, no, I think Anne Royal would have been quite something, and she would have been very honest with you as well. She would not have cared, you know, two wits for, you know, any sort of um, repercussions. She was going to say what she thought, and that was just the end of the story. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, hey, let's talk real quick, too, about a certain type of barbecue sauce in Alabama. The white barbecue sauce. A lot of people oh, also don't yeah. know about we, yeah. Where does white barbecue sauce come from? How, you know, why is it different than other barbecue <laughs> sauces? This is not my book. This is another book. Um, what book is this? Oh, I can't think of the guy that wrote this book. And I have it on my bookshelf right now. There's a, you guys published a book about Alabama barbecue. By, and it's really good. It's, I have it. And he goes into the whole white sauce thing. Yeah, this I was his publicist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he, it's a really good book. So you did a good job. Um, I just can't remember his name right now, but, um, <laughs> um, but I mean, we do, we do take that very seriously. I don't know where it comes from. I really don't. I, I forget, but I mean, like anytime you go to have barbecue, you, you, you're going to get your white barbecue sauce. It, it is, it is a very serious thing down here. Yeah. It's so good too. Um, when, Oh God. Yeah. So when we did, were, did they not have this in other places? I mean, that's we sad. do have it here in a couple of places. So when I was, I think you're talking about Mark Johnson's book. Yeah, Mark Johnson. That's that's it's a real. If you like barbecue and you like history, it's it's a really good book. Yeah, not to promote someone else's book, but it is a good book. Well, no, Mark <laughs> did a great job on it, and you know, and he was yeah. great. I think it, I worked. That was one of the first books I worked on when I started working on books in Alabama. Oh, okay, um, well then that was a good welcome for you. Oh, actually, no, that was probably, no, that was around the time I first started working in Alabama. 
bugs on Alabama. Um, but yeah, the that sauce is. I think I don't know. I I, I like it with wings. Like I like different base sauces with different foods, barbecue. You know, barbecued foods. Yeah. So for me, if I'm having you know smoked you know barbecued wings, I really like that sauce with the wings. Uh, that's just me on it. But if you've never had that sauce, I don't know where to tell people to get authentic sauce at in stores or who would make it. No, I don't know. I don't know. But if you can find it somewhere. Or if you're traveling through Alabama, if you're like at Dreamland or somewhere like that, I mean, it's really good to get. And Dreamland's pretty popular. I mean, people, you know, I'm not trying to promote one place over the other, but I mean, that's someone I think, you know, they have multiple locations, you know, maybe to get through. So, but I guess, okay, so we're, we we should probably keep moving on then. I know we get carried away talking about barbecue. Um, (laughs) But so I do want to, talk about you know you were there was an idea too of like uh, comfort food in the way of a governor's uh lonely wife oh yeah sarah royal i mean i'm sorry sarah royal sarah gale i do like sarah gale too kind of like ann royal she keeps really detailed um information in her diary but it's she keeps different kind of information she doesn't like record conversations like ann but i mean she i mean if you want to get inside someone's psychological makeup um Sarah Gale's a, a good diary, but yeah, she um she records a day where she and her buddies, it's wives who are lonely. Basically, it's her, her sister-in-law, and her other sister-in-law whose husbands are either out of town or out of work, and they're just kind of lonely. They all sit around and have a nice meal, and one of the things they make is sweet meats. And uh, I didn't know what sweet meats was, and it took me longer than I could admit to figure out what they were. But then uh, we made them. My friend Mary Hamner and I, we, we made them. And I'm telling you, I don't know if this is how far you wanted to get in this discussion, but I'm telling you, out of everything Absolutely. I made in the book that, um, that I wasn't familiar with, this was hands down my favorite. And I could not have made it by myself because, you know, as I've said, I, I don't cook. But um, if you know what you're doing in the kitchen, it's not that hard. It's just not something that um, – it's not it's not familiar it's it's a little bit like making jelly but it's but it's but it's different so if you made jelly you can or jam or whatever then then you can do it it's just it's slightly different it's really good and i i don't know why people don't make this anymore because it's it's way better than jam or jelly i mean it's way better and uh also i figured out you can put it on ice cream and it's pretty good there too so i mean you know what's the consistency um, difference between a jam and it's jelly the consistency and yeah it's the consistency it's basically like syrup that's not mm. ridiculously sweet and then um very very soft fruit and the combination of this is is really good so i mean like you can put it on a biscuit you can put it on syrup I'm, you know i'm taking a wild stab here i'm guessing you can put it on waffles or pancakes but i mean I mean, Why it's, not? It's really good. It's really, and it keeps for a while. I mean, like you can put it in the cupboard and keep it like for you know one or two months. Obviously, when you open it, put it in the refrigerator. But I mean, it's. I mean, honestly, that was the problem. Is, is we made this first, and so we were kind of expecting every recipe to be no. Every recipe was not that good. That was hands down the best recipe. Yeah, like the made. hominy recipe wasn't that great. Oh my god, the hominy was a disaster. <laughs> I do not recommend making hominy unless you are just 
going to do something else with it besides what we did, because we didn't really understand that you had to put hominy with something else. Like that was not clear. And it should have been because it literally says that in the book. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was not good. And it took forever. Oh my God. It took like a day and a half. So hominy is not recommended. It is in the book though, if you want to know how to do it. Yeah. That's why I, when you said that it made the, I have this, what's called a new old stock grit bag in my kitchen uh, from a Carolina Rose company um, from the early 20th century. And oh, wow. it's, it says how many sweetened with grits. I'm like, how do you sweeten with grits? You know? And I was like, okay, now it makes sense after reading your book. I was like, oh, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So it made so. way more sense to me now. Yeah. And you're not afraid in the book to um, shy away from the enslavement that's occurring in the state in the antebellum period. Um, well, I mean, you can't really not. I mean, it's there. Yeah. And I mean, but you're, I mean, you, you, you face it, you know, head on and you talk about too, it's one of the people that who is in the book and I can't remember her name right now. Um, I have. Nicey Pugh. Yeah. Nicey Pugh. Yeah. Um, I liked reading her story. I enjoy reading her story and, you know, they talk about making beer. Um, and she was interviewed with the public works project during the new deal right and which was you know something neat that came out of the new deal back in the 30s and also you know right after that chapter two then it was just something that was you know really neat to think about um there was they were talking about like how they use different plants Mm -hmm. um to treat illnesses and and then things of this nature and it just it just made me think about like how you know during the dysphoria um there was all these different types from you know, different places in Africa, you know, mostly from the Gold Coast here in Carolina and in the Low Country, but from all these different places in the South, you had all of this knowledge of root work, um, right? That would, uh, and then they would try to find plants that were similar to what they had had in different places in Africa they came from to basically um, make medicines, right. and. Uh, you know, that goes along with, you know, baking into food, you know, what, what you know, you can make um, to be healthy um, in food. So it was, you know, really neat to think about that, too. Just it, it just made me call to mind that I hadn't thought about in a while. Um, so that was neat to think about. I like Nicey because, I mean, she, okay, the plants that she used are still there. I mean, we just don't think of them that way. I mean, you, when you see the plants around you, you just think, oh, there's some green, you know, but they didn't see it that way. They saw it as food and medicine, which I like that you can see one thing completely differently in two different eras. Like, it's just totally different for us and for someone in, you know, 1850. Yeah, and then the colored greens, I mean, I just reading that word makes me hungry. And it makes me want to grab a bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> Dear Lord, you are Southern. My goodness. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't love collard greens? Especially well, if it's like a ham. Greens. If it's got a ham hock in there, it was cooking in it. Man. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, see, you grew up with Southern food. I, I didn't. I know. I mean, we should talk about that too. Because, <laughs> yeah, your mom was from California. Yep. And, yeah. And your dad was from Israel. 
right? Holland. Holland. They backpack through Israel or something, I think. Right? They are hippies who yeah. lived in the commune in Israel. Your word, and my not mom mine. Picked apples. <laughs> <laughs> so they like, yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> so they have a really different background. It, you you yes. said that they, you, when you went. You had to, you grew up in the South, but it's like your neighbors took pity on you to feed yes. you good food. <laughs> <laughs> we did not have this kind of food in my house when I was a kid. Like my sister and I were very skinny. We were extremely skinny children because our food that we grew up with was not tasty. You almost sound defensive about it. Not with bacon. <laughs> I'm just, I'm putting your words back. I'm telling you what you wrote down. You're going to get mad. <laughs> But I'm glad you found a love for it and wrote this book about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, trust <laughs> me, it's like, well, I mean, my friends, my friends would have, like, sweet tea with, like, ice. And that was something, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you're 10 years old and you don't, you've never had sweet tea and also, what is all this ice business in my glass? Like, <laughs> it's such an odd thing. I know it's such a small thing, but Southerners. You do not go to a Southern home. Even today, yeah. you, they will not give you a drink that is not like slammed with like buckets of ice. But we didn't do that. We, we just had a regular glass of like water or milk or something like that. So like sweet tea and collard greens and 7-Up cake and all that. I, I got that out outside, like somewhere <laughs> else. I didn't get that at home. If it makes you feel better, I don't like a lot of ice in my drink. What is wrong with you? I mean, honestly, I think I today because that's I'm I'm southern. You just you know I, like I am three southern. Cubes. I'm I just don't like that. I don't know. I like to taste the the liquid. You know, plus, I put the liquid in the refrigerator. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, here's the deal. This is what I've learned in my life. You have to put a lot of ice in it. That way, it doesn't melt so much. Okay. Yeah, good point. But moving on. Sorry yeah, moving that. on. <laughs> Chase a lot of rabbits. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But it's fun. I'm having a good time. <laughs> um, so be honest with me. When you tasted your first fried chicken, did you cry a little bit? Oh my god, fried chicken is <laughs> delicious, but it has to be done like properly. Okay, because like yes, because it's got to keep <laughs> it has that moisture. To be yeah. Yeah, fried chicken's pretty darn good. I yeah. mean, you're absolutely right about being done properly. It has to be crispy, but also it can't be at such a high heat that it loses all the moisture on the inside of it. People don't get that. Okay. Yeah, Man, very see, true. You're Southern, you know? You, you, oh, I you know. I'm Southern it. today. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so. It took a minute. <laughs> all right, so I think people probably gathered by, by the way that we are going back and forth with each other that we talked for a little bit before we started recording. Oh, Sorry. So no, we won't. I mean, that's good. I, I think we have a good back and forth because I, well, before we started recording, I did tell you that I really appreciated how you tied in what was going on at the, you know, it, during the time in the world so that you could understand the historical context of right. the food um, in which, you know, for the recipes, the time it was written. So I want to get at the Civil War time period because okay, this good. is how impressive your book is. Okay, so here's the stage that it's set. The Confederate capital is in Montgomery at this time because it's right. May 1861. All right, the South, of course, has a view that they could win with one big battle at this time, and has does the North. You know, of course, we know that didn't happen, but because Bull Run didn't go, you know, like either side thought it was going to, or Manassas, whichever one you want to call it. 
But right. the South also wants an ally with England or France for mil- for military legitimacy reasons on the world stage. Uh, here you go. You enter in famed war reporter, the Ernie Pyle of his day, really. Uh, he's a reporter of the London Times, William H. Russell. Right. And he's reported on the Crimean War, and his reports yep. led to reforms in British military leadership. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. It was his reports on the Crimean War... Um, and he was at the battle with the Chargers of the Light Brigade, and that's what led yep. to Tennyson's writing that poem. Um, exactly. He's a badass. He is There's a no badass. I mean, he's, he's, he's on the front lines writing stuff. He's going to be at the Battle of Bull Run or Manassas, whichever, again, yeah. whichever way you want to call it, later on. Uh, but right now, he's in Montgomery. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so... Let's uh, tell me about his uh, his time in Montgomery because it was kind of interesting. Oh my gosh, I love this guy because he is. I mean, seriously, he's a badass. He's a he's a you know, he's he's seen some things. He's seen some death and he's seen some gore and he he's you know he's 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 pretty serious by this time. But when he gets to Montgomery, the thing that like makes him shiver <laughs> is all the tobacco juice. He can't handle it. I mean, he has like a visceral reaction to all the tobacco juice that's being spat left and right and on top of him and near him and over him. And he is just he spends his first night in Montgomery on his bed, huddled under a mosquito netting with one eye open for the for the guy who's next to him spitting tobacco juice in all directions. And for the rest of his time in Montgomery, all he can talk about is there's tobacco juice here and tobacco juice there and tobacco juice here. He just he is like it's like an affront to him. Which is really hysterical considering his situation, but um, he does not enjoy his meal in Montgomery of the possum and um, <laughs> graveyard possum. <laughs> this is the one recipe that I <laughs> was not going to cook, so um, I put the recipe in there about how to make the possum. But you know, I don't recommend doing it. But wow. this is a no. Come on, you haven't made possum, Johnny. Come no, on, I was, that was a disgusting sound. It was a <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, you can, there's a recipe for possum in the book, but, you know, I don't recommend making it. But, I mean, possum is kind of like a fixture in Alabama um, cooking for a long time. It's on menus and, you know, recipe books and, you know, I couldn't really not put it in there. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really help the stereotype, but it's history. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I just can't, you know, it's. I mean, there's also, you know, there's all these, you know, other recipes with like shrimp and crab, and <laughs> then there's possum. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you have to do it. I mean, I had to you do, do it. One hundred percent. I mean, they yeah. try to make it look fancy and fancy it up and everything, and it's on the, you know, if you see when you get the book and you see the image, it's on a really nice menu. It really oh, yeah. is. It looks yeah. great. But I really did love how he even talked about the marble floor. With brown yeah. tobacco stains, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, think about like when he sees what happened to the light brigade. I mean, he's seen you know men right. with pieces of their body blown off, you know, and then he's like, right. "This tobacco." I just... know this is what he focuses on. This this is this is his problem right here. So, <laughs> but uh, interesting. He's always been an interesting figure, and then that part of his history just adds to the lore. I think, and I the thing it. about it. You know, the world paid attention to him. I mean, yeah, he's definitely. a really world round yeah. correspondent. Um, I mean, even Lincoln. Yeah. I mean, he was his own person. He really was. Um, right. They, you know, the the Union really felt that his paper leaned more towards a Southern point of view. Right. But he wrote for himself. I, I he think he did. 
Um, there's a kind of an interesting account where, you know, Lincoln was kind of leaning on him when he met him, President Lincoln one time, trying to be like, right. we need to more come this way. We would really like you to more be on our side about all of this, but he stayed his own person. Um, and he, I think he had the gravity, you know, the, the ability to do that because he had the resume to be able to do that. Oh yeah. I mean, once he saw the Crimean war, that was, I mean, he had his reputation built for him forever. 100%. So. Yep. So going on now to the 20th century, when you are fighting for civil rights, you need fuel for that fight. Um, so where um, are some of the places we can find the crossroads for civil rights and food history? Well, um, first of all, George, you, are you asking about Georgia Gilmore mm -hmm. or the locations? Georgia Gilmore and also some locations, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, the, I do, I mean, I Georgia Gilmore and Anne Royal kind of, like, remind me of each other. They're both, like, seriously badass women who say it like it is. Um, so I, I do adore Georgia, Georgia Gilmore. And she, um, she, she had ran an underground kitchen for all the civil rights luminaries of the day. Anybody, anybody and everybody ate in her kitchen from Martin Luther King Jr. to, you know, the maids down the street. Everybody, everybody ate in her kitchen. Um, and she, I don't know, she kept the civil rights movement fed while everybody was walking back and forth to work since they couldn't take the bus. She was the, she was the cook who kept everybody going. Um, but the places I could find, and, um, I had to, this, this part was the toughest part of the book, to be honest with you. I had a hard time, had a hard time here. There, there isn't, there isn't enough, honestly, there, there should be more, there should be more locations. But Lanny's Barbecue in Selma and Brenda's Barbecue in Montgomery and Chris's Hot Dogs in Montgomery. These are the three locations that have been open um, since, the, since the before civil rights movement or before and who are still open today. And they're descendants of these people. They are still running it. So it's not like it's, you know, different people. So you can actually have a chat with the descendants of the people who were you know, in the movement, which is kind of cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah. That is really neat. You go actually, you know, like you said earlier, have some food where history happened. And exactly. talk to someone who was connected to someone who was part of history. Yes, definitely. That is really cool. So, you know, we've talked about past history, but we can still tour the great state of Alabama today on a culinary tour. And there's yeah. everything from finding fine dining to, like you just said, hot dogs, seafood uh -huh. to dessert, and history all along the way. But if I had one day in, let's say, well, Mobile, and uh, <laughs> or Mobile, and it doesn't have to be, let's say, the city center. I can travel all around that area. Um, what should I have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And what oh, history man, should I check out one. in Mobile? Um... Well, oh goodness, that was a hard one. Goodness. Um, well, Mobile, okay. And Mobile, by the way, and we were very serious about that. So um, in Mobile, you should always um, have fresh seafood. I give tours at the Bragg Mansion, and people come, and I do not let them out until they promise me that they can have salad when they go home. They're going to have fresh seafood pulled, you know, right from the bay fried up it's not frozen so like we have lots of little seafood places around but um the historical homes you can go and you can have like 
goodness. You can have tea and cookies at the DAR house, and you can have tea and cookies at Oakley. At the Bragg, we don't actually serve you tea and cookies, but it's still a good tour. You should come by. But um, Winsell's has been there forever. Fresh seafood. Um, I don't know. Mobile's a, Mobile's a good place for history and food for sure, as long as you're willing to, you know, put on a few pounds. Good. You can walk around though. I remember last one time we were there, we catched we caught a cruise out of Mobile on December twenty sixth, I think, one time for a Christmas present for my wife. And we went walking around. Oh, December twenty seventh. And we you know, went to the um Mardi Gras Museum. Yeah, yeah. And so you Oh, can... and your listeners should be aware that Mardi Gras is Mobile, not New Orleans. We that's another thing we're very serious about. Okay, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, they you guys are <laughs> the museum made that very clear. And <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah, don't try to joke around with them about it either. No, really. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. The ladies put me in my place really quickly. I bet she did. <laughs> so um yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah, it's a walkable. Some of the, you know, the area, you know, is walkable. Especially, we stayed in a historic hotel in the area um, too. So, um, yeah, the food is, you know, really good in Mobile. Just like we have here in Charleston, the seafood is, you know, yeah, top notch. If you can have fresh seafood versus frozen seafood, you'll know that there's a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we have been talking for over 30 minutes and actually closer to 40 or 45 if you count beforehand. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it's been a great time, Monica. Thanks for being on. Okay. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later, Johnny. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, the audience, for listening. A culinary tour through Alabama history will be available beginning October 4th, wherever local books are sold and is available now for pre-order on ArcadiaPublishing.com. As always, thanks to Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project for the show's theme song. You can find them online on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions for me or show suggestions, you can reach me at ArcadiaAuthorConversations at gmail.com. Thanks, and I will talk with you again soon.